Lake Effect brings you conversations about what's happening in Milwaukee and the people, places, and organizations that shape the community. This is Lake Effect Spotlight from WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. For decades, people housed at the Milwaukee County Jail have reported a lack of health care, recreation, poor food, mental health care, and long booking times. In August, 27 people at the jail protested these conditions by locking themselves in the jail's library. To learn more about what led up to the protest, I spoke with Vanessa Swales, a reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I also spoke with members of the group Milwaukee Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression, which has been calling for changes at the jail. I also made multiple requests for comment from the sheriff's office, which oversees the jail, and I didn't get a response. But you hear some public statements Milwaukee County Sheriff Danita Ball has made about the conditions at the jail. A note to our listeners. This conversation includes mentions of suicide, self-harm, and abuse. On August 12th of this year, 27 people incarcerated at the Milwaukee County Jail protested conditions there by locking themselves inside the jail's library. According to a statement by the sheriff over two weeks later, these 27 people were forced out of the library less than two hours after barricading themselves inside. All 27 people involved in the protest have been charged with obstructing an officer and disorderly conduct. And this is not the first time people incarcerated at the Milwaukee County Jail have protested conditions there. But to learn more about what happened on August 12th, I talked to Vanessa Swales, reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, who covers county government, including the jail. So I think first off, we have to be clear about where we get this information. So it's publicly from statements from both the sheriff's office and a complaint that was released by the Milwaukee County DA's office or the district attorney's office. And so what we know is that on August 12th, 27 men housed in the jail in Pod 6C um, entered the jail library, which is adjacent to the pod, and covered the windows with paper and refused to leave. Um, It's it was called a barricade or a, a mass refusal mm-hmm. in the statement. And so what the authorities described and what the complaint lays out is that the inmates or the individuals that are housed at the at the jail were dissatisfied with their gym time. But there is a little bit more to that, which, yeah. you know, we can kind of expand on. What they do say is that during this period of time, there were negotiations between um, these individuals, the 27 men, and the correctional officers that were posted in the jail at the time, those negotiations were not successful. And following that, they evacuated all the remaining um, individuals that were in that pod out. And then the officers used pepper spray um, to spray under the door into the library. And 15 minutes later, one officer broke the library window sprayed another round of pepper spray, and then the correctional emergency response team, which is also known as CERT, uh, entered the library and then, quote-unquote, secured the 27 men. And something that, you know, the complaint and does lay out is that one officer suffered a soft tissue injury, and then there were three others who were treated for pepper spray exposure. And they do outline this instance where one officer struck a man several times with a baton um, after it is said that he had turned to go and hit the officer. Um, However, the complaint from the DA's office did not outline any injuries suffered by the 27 men that were then ultimately charged on August 30th. So this is, you know, just for context, this is three weeks 
later that this information is made public. You know, usually when incidents happen at the jail, uh, the sheriff's office is pretty quick to alert the public. So when we think about um, an in-custody death, it's usually the day of that Mm -hmm. that happens. and, and, And that's, you know, protocol and policy within the jail and the sheriff's office themselves they you know try to maintain that um but this for me was actually quite curious just as a reporter that that information was released only after the 27 men were charged following the incident yeah and we'll get into more detail in a bit about what happened after august 12th and and what kind of uh, up to today but um i want to know more about what led up to the event because um as you as you alluded to these 27 men were um Demonstrating concern about jail conditions, um, one thing that was noted was uh, reduced time in the gymnasium. But um, as you've written in your reporting, that this goes a little bit more than that and that this is not something that just popped up out of nowhere. Like this is something people have been voicing concerns about these kinds of things for a while now. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely correct, because when when, you know, I've been covering the jail now for two years and a lot of the information and conversations that I have with individuals that are housed there really revolves around a, a, a lack of access to frequent enough health care, mental health care, even, you know, recreational time, which is alluded to with this when it comes to the gym access. And just generally, I mean, it extends beyond that. I mean, booking times have taken hours longer than what is policy for the jail themselves or the jail itself. And even just the food, I mean, housing overpopulation. I mean, it's it's really become this location, this place where everybody, including the, the jail staff, are unsatisfied yeah. and unhappy with what is happening. As you mentioned earlier, the the sheriff's office issued a press release uh, about the event, um, but notably only mentioned injuries sustained by the by the officers. Do we know anything about what happened to these these 27 people? So I've had conversations with individuals who are housed um, at the jail who wish to remain anonymous purely out of fear of retaliation. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the things that they described to me, and there was one individual who was in pod 6C at the time when the barricade happened. Mm-hmm. He said that a number of the 27 men who were part of this barricade did sustain injuries, including the man who was hit by the baton, allegedly lost a tooth. One man has a bloodshot eye. A lot of them have bruises. One is suffering from an injured arm and shoulder. And there is one gentleman who has a colostomy bag and said he was experiencing stomach issues following this incident. Again, according to my source, these men have been placed in segregation or restrictive housing. So they are still in general pop, Mm -hmm. um, but they are in individual cells. Yeah. Yeah, solitary confinement, I guess. Is that a is that a fair way of thinking yeah, about it? Yeah, I think solitary is a fair way to describe it. They are separate for, from the general population mm. within their, indivi- their, their pod. As Swales mentioned, this is not the first time people incarcerated at the jail have protested conditions there related to medical and mental health care or recreation time. These complaints date back decades. 
In 2001, a consent decree was reached following a lawsuit against Milwaukee County, citing overcrowding at the jail leading to substandard conditions. The consent decree limited the number of inmates of the jail to 960, limited the time people could spend in booking before being assigned a bed there to 30 hours, and instituted court monitoring of health care at the jail that continues today. For nearly three full years between then and April 2004, the county was found in contempt of court for continuing to force people incarcerated at the jail to sleep next to urinals, and in some cases up to 21 people sharing one cell, while also not providing access to showers, hygiene products, or a change of clothes. The circuit court found Milwaukee County violated the consent decree 16,662 times during this span. And Milwaukee County never paid damages to inmates harmed by these practices due to reasons of legal procedure. In 2012, then-Sheriff David Clark announced his department was not able to adhere to the consent decree's medical and mental health care requirements due to staffing shortages. This led to the county contracting out its medical services to private companies, a practice that continues to this day. Today, WellPath LLC has that contract, and they too say they are experiencing staffing shortages. In 2016, four people died while in custody at the jail. This included Terrell Thomas, who died after water was shut off to his cell, and the then-contractor for healthcare services, Armor Correctional Health Services, falsified records showing they provided medical checks on Thomas. Between 2020 and 2021, four people died in custody at the jail. And now, since June 2022, in just over 15 months, an additional six people have died while in custody at the Milwaukee County Jail. This is the situation that Sheriff Danita Ball inherited when she was elected sheriff last year. Publicly, she has said issues at the jail are an issue of staffing, that her department does not offer salaries competitive with other correctional institutions across the state, and that the inmate-to-officer ratio is the second highest in the state. Because of this, she says correctional officers at the jail are forced to work overtime, and there are just simply not enough officers to staff for things like recreation time at the jail. Testifying in front of the County Board of Supervisors Committee on Judiciary, Law Enforcement, and General Services on September 11th, following a report by her department on jail conditions, Sheriff Ball made this point known to county government. We've even been criticized because our jail is short-staffed, even though this is a nationwide problem across nearly every industry, again, by critics who know that our correctional officers can earn more money working elsewhere. These critics also know that this board, not the sheriff's office, determines how much money our officers make. At the same meeting, Carlos Bruno, president of the Milwaukee Deputy Sheriff Association, added more context to Sheriff Ball's claim that staffing shortages at the jail makes improvement to conditions untenable. He said that while it has helped that the county has given more money for raises recently to recruit and retain staff, it just has not been enough to remain competitive with other correctional institutions in the state. You can change as many policies as you wish to try to stop in custody deaths for the possibility of not causing deaths. But what policies would do no good and who will implement those policies if we no longer have staffing in our facilities? July, you gave the raises. It increased the emergency because Racine hired. We've lost 30 people in less than three months when Racine gave those raises. Then the county decided to give those raises. So we went from 124 correction officers to now 142. We're still short 107 every single day. We also now have deputy sheriffs in the jail since September of 2021, taking away full staffing numbers again from our SWAR positions 
to assist the crisis in the jail of 13 deputies every single day. And on weekends, because we have shortage of staffing that increases on the weekends, we mandatory an additional 15 to 20 deputies every weekend. So we basically, every week, mandatory 60 deputies out of 264 that we currently have, losing every off day. So we're consistently burning out our deputies who do want to stay and our correctional officers who do want to stay with the county. But how do you expect to change that and retain those individuals if you don't give us off days, if you don't give us time with our family? I reached out to Sheriff Ball multiple times for an interview about the relationship between staffing shortages and the conditions that sparked the August 12th protest, but her office did not get back to me. Had I had a chance to interview, I would have asked if calling for more staff at the jail represented a short-term fix to a problem that has gone back decades before she took over as sheriff. I also would have asked how hiring more COs would improve medical and mental health care services at the jail, given that these services are contracted out to a third party. The Milwaukee Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression, or Milwaukee Alliance for short, is an organization dedicated to community control of the police. Its members have consistently called attention to deaths at the jail in recent years, saying that jail conditions are not a function of staffing, but of the jail's culture, as well as relying on law enforcement to provide basic services outside of their expertise. Alain Chavoya and Omar Flores from the Milwaukee Alliance joined me to discuss the jail's culture and their skepticism that more staffing will resolve the situation long-term. Alain begins by recounting what he saw in the footage of Brian Green's death, who died by suicide at the Milwaukee County Jail in June 2022, and why this makes him skeptical that staffing is the core issue at the Milwaukee County Jail. When I sat in the room with the uh, DA, uh, when I sat there with the family and we reviewed the footage of inside the jail of, um, of Brian, once the second CO came by, and this was 30, I believe it was 38 minutes, uh, after Brian had started already choking himself, and after that first uh, CO just simply walked by. Once she sees that and at, opens up the, uh, the cell that he's in and calls for an emergency and calls for, you know, the, the, an emergency response, we see over a dozen uh, people like COs come out of nowhere, right? I know we can only see a certain angle in the camera, but they're there. Mm -hmm. So the talking point of the staffing issue, the talking point of this being a budgetary issue, that's a talking point we see from law enforcement all the time. The truth is that their budget has been going up and up and up for the last several years. And the county board is not doing much to, to control that. Some of them are trying, but they keep and giving them money every year. To me, that sounds like they're holding the county hostage. They're saying that we're going to keep seeing deaths inside the jail. We're going to keep seeing these deplorable conditions unless we get more money. Well, they've been getting more money every single year and conditions are getting worse. Mm -hmm. So there's not a good correlation there of greater funding, greater staffing leads to improved conditions. This is a, a deeper issue that um, that is a problem within the sheriff's office. Uh, to give another example, the sheriff's office used to oversee, right, the uh, former House of Corrections. Now I believe it's the Community Reintegration Center, right, over there in Franklin. They used to oversee that. And people I knew who were in there, who were locked up in there, people who, um, you know, from the south side and north side that I've talked to about this, uh, people I played soccer with, uh, they were always afraid of that place. Uh, they knew how horrible the conditions were in the House of Corrections when the sheriff oversaw it. Now that's no longer under their jurisdiction. They're no longer overseeing it. And we've seen a huge shift. It's not a big enough shift because we saw there was already uh, an in-custody death there this year. But... 
there has been a big improvement in there ever since the sheriff didn't oversee it. So it's not an issue of whether or not the sheriff needs to stop overseeing the jail. It's an issue showing us that the problem is the sheriff's office. It's not their budget. It's not their staff. It's them and their failure to hold themselves accountable and to actually do their job and improve those conditions. 23-hour lockdowns a day, that's not an issue of staffing. Terrible food, that's not an issue of staffing. The abuse that the people face in there, that the inmates face in there, that's not an issue of staffing like numbers. It is an issue of their staff, perhaps, right? But it's not an issue of staffing numbers. So those types of things that we're hearing about, those are not issues of staffing or budgetary issues, right? These are issues that are embedded within that office. I think in terms of like a culture of harm, just um, kind of going back to that point, I mean, the, the fact that the sheriff is consistently saying that if you want to see these deaths stop, you got to give us more money. I mean, it, it's just, it's nauseating to think that they view almost people's lives as like a bargaining chip and not much more than that. And to add in, in terms of the question around transparency and what we would like to see, we would really love to see what the sheriff is spending their money on and the audits that they come back with us and, and all of that other stuff. I mean, it, it's it's not illuminating. I mean, there's, there's really nothing that it tells us. And so, I mean, if we really want to move forward with better staffing, I mean, we should at least be able to look at their budget and what they're doing with the current money that they have. And we haven't really been allowed that opportunity. What is needed to improve the situation kind of long term? I'm thinking like, you know, uh, next year, five years, 10 plus years, um, you know, kind of beyond this immediate immediate fix that's kind of dominating uh, the conversation right now. What's What are you all keeping your eye on long term? So one thing I can see... Um, that's long-term, but I think a bit more immediate than 10 years. Mm -hmm. And we see this in the report that was produced by the, uh, the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office that they produced for the county board. They stated that they want money to be able to house more of their inmates who are dealing with mental health issues. So that right there shows you that they actually don't care about mental health because people with mental health issues should not be getting treated inside a county jail. The fact that we're using the county jail as sort of a baseline to treat this while we're shutting down those services at the county level, that goes to show you a big issue that I think can be rectified this year with the, with the budget, right? If they allocate that fund that the sheriff wants for their office, that could be taken care of in the next year, right? Of just not giving them those funds and using that to build up those mental health resources that we need at the county level and we need within the city limits. And so that's something that can be done now and start building it up for years to come to actually provide those resources that our community needs for mental health and stop using the county jail as the uh, norm, as the standard place to treat people. How is that, you know, how, how does that make sense? It's, uh, it's an interesting irony that uh, they're constantly complaining about all that they have to do, that they have to fulfill so many of these different services of the county. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know, they, oh, we have to be a health workers, we have to do all this stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, because you guys keep asking for money to do it. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, we work with the, um, with the Coalition to Save St. Francis. I'm not sure if you heard about the um, labor and delivery closure on the south side. It was like the only labor and delivery service that yep. was available there. And so we work with that coalition. And what we're hearing from St. Francis actually is that one of the last like accessible mental health facilities in Wisconsin, uh, I'm sorry, not in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee, is, uh, is they're thinking it's probably going to get closed down. The staffing is so low. Everything, they're seeing all the signs that it's likely going to close down. The closest like um, publicly accessible mental health facility is going to now be in West Allis if that closes. 
And so, again, like the, the sheriff really should not be asking for more money to do it themselves. We should really be leaving it to the professionals if they're they're so tired of having to fill so many shoes and wear so many different hats. Um, we should really be putting it in the hands of people that know what they're doing. Milwaukee County has entered budget season, with County Executive Crowley releasing his proposed budget last week. Throughout this month, the County Board of Supervisors will debate and craft its own budget, including any allocations to the Sheriff's Office for things like hiring incentives for correctional officers. For Lake Effect, I'm Sam Woods. That was Vanessa Swales, a local government reporter at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Alun Chavoya and Omar Flores are members of the Milwaukee Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression. You can find more interviews like this one by visiting wuwm.com slash Lake Effect. And while you're there, subscribe to the Lake Effect Spotlight podcast.